In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, James chapter 2 says, Faith without works is dead. This means that even though we're saved by grace through faith alone, this faith is never alone. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And when that faith is true, then when, when that faith is genuine, then good works are bound to follow. So you can claim to be a Christian all you want. You can claim to be a child of God all you want. You can claim God as your father all you want. But if you are ruled and dominated by sin, then the faith you claim to have is lifeless. If you believe in God, then you will love your neighbor. And if you don't really love God, then you won't love your neighbor. This is precisely what happens in today's gospel text. Jesus tells us about a rich man who was dragged to hell and Lazarus who was carried into heaven. So you know the text well, but in case you don't, here it is again. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Look, the reason purple is significant here is because that dye was outrageously expensive and only rulers and higher-ups could afford it. And so when the text says that he was clothed in purple, that's like hearing that this man was clothed in uh, Louis Vuitton or whatever nice, overly-priced type of clothing you have at the moment. So at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores and desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. So later the rich man asks Abraham that he would send someone to go tell his five living brothers, that he would send Lazarus to tell his brothers that hell is real and that it's horrifying and that heaven is true and that it is real. But Abraham said, look, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man tries again saying, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham says... If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so there you have it, the rich man and Lazarus. And you have to focus on that interaction between the rich man and Abraham. And what did the rich man call Abraham? He called him father. And the only ones who called Abraham father were the Jews, those who believed they descended from him, those who believed that they had the same God and promise of salvation that you heard in the Old Testament reading for today. They thought they were part, they were the children uh, that were promised to Abraham. And so this rich man claimed to be that, the fulfillment of that promise, to have Abraham as his father. He claimed to be a child of Abraham, to have God as his God, and yet he is forever suffering in hell. So what's going on? Lazarus is in heaven, 
with God. Well, the rich man who claimed to be a child of Abraham is in hell. The difference isn't that rich people go to hell while poor people go to heaven. And the difference isn't that the rich man didn't do enough good works, but Lazarus somehow did enough good works to go to heaven. The difference is this, and you can see it at the end of the reading. Lazarus had Moses and the prophets. Lazarus had the word of God, and he believed it. And even though he had nothing else, he had God's word, which means he had everything. And the rich man who had everything lacked one thing, Moses and the prophets, the word of God. So he had everything in life, but he didn't have God's word, and therefore he had nothing. The rich man claimed to be Abraham's child. However, Abraham's children aren't made through flesh and blood, but by, the, by faith in the word of God. This man thought he was a child of God, but he didn't have true faith because he had no good works. We know the rich man was an unbeliever, a pretend Christian, a hypocrite. Not only from the rich man's own words, but also from his works or lack thereof. The rich man didn't love God because he didn't love Lazarus, his neighbor. You know what the epistle reading says. 1 John 4 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And James chapter 2 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have good works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And then again in Luke chapter 7, when Jesus says of the forgiven woman, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. In other words, those who are forgiven much will love much. Those who are forgiven little will love little. The rich man didn't believe he needed to be forgiven, and that's why he had so little love for Lazarus. And as it was for this rich man, so it is for us. Faith and good works go hand in hand. Faith produces good works. You can see if faith is alive, if good works accompany that faith, that belief, and that confession. And for those who know the enormity of their sin and yet still believe the abounding love of Christ, you see this faith in action through their great love for others, their great compassion for one another. On the other hand, when you see people claim to be Christians, claim to be children of God, claim to be God's own, but then love so little, it's because just like that rich man, they aren't really who they claim to be. The rich man called Abraham his father, but he had no love for his neighbor. And so too, we oftentimes pray the Our Father, but we have little to no love for our neighbor. This isn't to say that we're saved by works or our conduct or behavior. Of course not. Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace through faith alone and not by works. But th what this means 
is that whenever you see someone claim to have faith and yet no fruits of faith, that faith is dead. You can see how little your own faith is when you see how little your love is for others. If you ignore your neighbor, you ignore God who tells you to love your neighbor no matter how unlovable they might seem. When you walk by the beggars who ask for your help, when you ignore their pleas for mercy, when you pretend to ignore them and look the other way, you see how little love is left in your heart. But you don't have to go that far to find this lovelessness. When you don't even bother to learn the names of those in the same church, the same pew, the same altar rail as you, let alone help them, you're showing how little your faith is. When church politics and administration and boards become more important to you than your neighbor, than the flesh and blood and the spirit of those who sit next to you, more important than your brother in Christ, then you can see how little you truly believe. When you avoid one another and ignore one another, you're walking by like that rich man walked by Lazarus. When you destroy one another's names and blow their reputation to pieces through toxic gossip and filthy slander, you have as much faith as that rich man who burns in hell. When you chase one another away through vicious lies and scandalous words, when you treat one another with disrespect and disdain, when you refuse to admit your wrongs and acknowledge your mistakes, when you look for a fight instead of making peace, don't be surprised when the day comes that God forgets your name. Don't be surprised if you find yourself next to that rich man begging for a drop of water, burning in anguish. You can't say you're going to be there for one another in difficult times, when you can't even be there for each other when times are good. Don't claim to be a child of God and then go forth deliberately sowing discord and causing strife. Just go your way. And enjoy this short life, but don't claim God as your father, because you're not his child. This perpetual behavior is simply proof that you don't really believe. When you claim that God is your father, when you claim to be his child, when you bear the name of Christ by calling yourself a Christian, when you make the sign of the cross upon yourself and upon your children, but then you go ahead and act like the heathen and the unbeliever, you're scandalizing everyone who sees you. You cause a stumbling block for those outside of the church and you cause divisions for those who are in the church. If you insist on living contrary to God's word, if you insist on refusing to repent of your sin, if you insist on holding grudges against one another, if you insist on refusing to forgive as God has forgiven you, then go ahead and spend your time elsewhere like that rich man. Live out the rest of your days eating your fill, not caring one bit for another person, caring only for yourself, spending all you have on clothing and possessions because it's the last amount of happiness you will experience. This advice, of course, is for those who stubbornly refuse the word of God, who stubbornly want to persist in sin, who stubbornly want to claim to be a child of God without even attempting to act like his child or listen to their Father in heaven. And those who are stubborn are those who just came up with defenses for each and every one of those sins mentioned. Those who came up with an excuse as to why they didn't do what God said they should have done. 
why you looked the other way, why you ignored, why you spoke ill. If you did that, then take heed. Your faith is dying. It's already dead. But for those of you who hear these words and are crushed, who are genuinely afraid, for those who see how little love you have in your heart, for those who recognize how much you have cared for yourself above your neighbor, for those who see how much they've neglected their neighbors, for those who know that they have nothing good in themselves and are poor, miserable sinners and beggars before the face of God, then repent and turn to Christ. If you know how great your sin is, then learn today how much greater your Savior is. Learn that Lazarus wasn't saved because he was poor. He was saved because he had Jesus. Because that's who Moses and the prophets talk about. So when the word of God calls you a poor, sinful beggar, then believe it. And when the word of God calls you forgiven, then believe that too. Learn that you're forgiven, not because of anything in you, but because of Christ. When you learn how truly impoverished you are, turn to Christ and in spirit become like Lazarus. And hear that he, though, that, that Christ, though he was rich, became poor for your sake. Turn to Christ and learn that on the cross he forgave your cold and lifeless and loveless heart. Repent of your sin, receive Christ's forgiveness, and love one another. You can't stop yourself from falling and failing, uh, uh, failing and falling into sin, but you can do something about it when you find yourself in it. You can repent and beg for the mercy of Christ to pull you out. And when you fail, you come back to church so that Christ will pick you up and forgive your sins once more and give you strength to love those around you more than you have been. And when you fail, you come back to church and remember your baptism that Christ loved you first. And when you fail, again, come back to church and receive the Lord's Supper that is given to you in, in the bread and the wine, the very body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And when you fail after that, Come back to church again and again and again because Christ is here each and every time ready to pick you up there at the gate and give you the feast, the banquet that he has prepared for you. Ready and willing to forgive you all of your sins, to give you his love, to strengthen your faith. Come back to church when you fail. And don't stop coming to church where Christ is until he comes to rescue you from this veil of tears. To take you to his side forever. Until he removes the sin from your flesh forever in his resurrection. That the forgiveness he gives you from his side, from his hands and his feet is yours in him. When you fail, come and receive the forgiveness of the one who never failed. The one who couldn't fail. The one who forgives all of your failures and sin and lovelessness. So saints of Zion, remember that God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Remember that we love because he first loved us. We don't love out of fear of punishment. We love because God loved us first. We love because he spilled his blood for us before we could take a breath. So don't stubbornly refuse God's love for you by hating one another or hating anyone else. 
Don't kill your faith through wicked and evil words and deeds. Don't be conniving. Don't be deceitful. Don't think evil of one another. Don't ignore and avoid one another. Don't plot against each other. Don't hold grudges. Cling to the word of God, Moses and the prophets, and never let that word go. Love one another. When your sins are pointed out, repent quickly and admit your fault lest you become proud and impenitent. When others repent, forgive forgive them from your heart. Go and seek those who are lost. Seek out those you pushed away through your lack of love. Care for the beggars that are at your gates. Live a life worthy of the calling of the gospel. You're children of light, children of Christ, and God is your Father. So encourage one another with the grace and mercy and love of Christ. Adorn your good confession of Christ with good works for one another. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who trust in you mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature, we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.